0: Meet Mike, he absolutely froths over surf parks. Since 2009, he's surfed over half the surf parks on the planet that are open to the public. He's not a pro, he's an average Joe. Coughing up his hard earned cash to get around his home country, the USA, and other countries around the world to do so. In fact, he
1: may just be the most passionate wave pool surfer in the world. And meet Chev, he lives in Australia. He hasn't improved much since he was 10, but what he lacks in skill, he makes up for in enthusiasm. This is his best wave ever, but this is his regular. He's been on a couple of surf trips, but he's never served a surf park.
0: Every episode, I'm gonna grill Mike and rip apart every surf park he's been to. I wanna find out what the froth we should know about each one, and Mike is gonna to have to give a
1: score. A froth and tomato score. Ah, uh, you mean tomatoes.
0: No, I don't, no, I don't.
1: This is What the Froth with Mike and Chev the first surf park review podcast for the below and average Joe and Jill surfer.
0: Welcome to the What the Froth podcast. Mike, how are you?
1: I'm doing good. How about yourself?
0: Very good. I'm speaking to Mike. Mike is in Jacksonville in Florida in the U.S. Right. of A. Yep. I'm, I'm su- sitting here in the not-so-sunny-today sunshine coast of australia with no waves for multiple months it's been an absolute nightmare but uh there's always a wave for you mike
1: right right i mean it's actually flat now we're dealing with the summer flat spell so i'm over here dreaming about surfing perfect waves in a pool (laughs) so
0: that's awesome well as you would have heard in the intro this podcast is all about artificial waves it's about wave pools surf parks whatever you want to call it um there is a massive wave if you like of uh of new surf parks opening up all around the world, I think we only have twenty uh, at the moment, something in wow. that region, twenty twenty five. But there's over a hundred plans, so they're just kind of finding their feet at the moment, working out what type of model is the best, what type of revenue model, what type of wave, what type of park, how they attract more people once that they're open. Um, but I'm speaking to the master of surf parks at the moment. Now we're talking about um, not the kind of surf experience you get when you're a pro, where everyone panders to you. You go to the surf park and you get your your, your quiver of 50 boards and wetsuits and whatever, and you have your park to yourself. But the reason I wanted to speak to Mike, um, I met Mike through the coolest platform, uh, LinkedIn. and and um, But Mike, even though it's not his day job, he blogs, he talks a lot about surf parks and wave pools and uh, I was super interested in the content that he was sharing because, um, you know, he's got a hell of a lot of experience for a, for an amateur surfer. So I really wanted to do a, a deep dive, if you like, and, um, and, and discover all the surf parks that he's been to and everything about them and what makes it good, what makes it not so good, and we're going to give it a froth and tomatoes score at the end of it. Well, Mike is because I've never been to a surf <laughs> park. Fair so, um, Mike, you've come a long way since Baltimore, the natural place of every, uh, every surfer. And <laughs> right. tell, me, tell me, how the hell does a boy from Baltimore get into surfing?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And for those of you who aren't aware of where Baltimore, Maryland is, um, the, the nearest surfable wave... The ocean is a three-hour drive, so pretty far inland um, in the state of Maryland on the east coast of the United States. So, uh, you know, I started surfing simply because my older brothers got me into it. So, you know, just little summertime family road trips, and uh, one of my older brothers pushed me into the wave when I was 10 years old and just have been hooked since and obsessing over surfing, just probably a similar story to most people out there who now surf. But yeah, you know, is you know, it it a bit of a challenge progressing, being that far inland and where all my roots, my family roots are, and having to drive, you know, as many as much as I can over the weekends for quick day trips, weekend yeah. trips, and then counting on those summer vacations when school's out to to try to get better. <laughs> so. so,
0: so is that surfboard behind you, mate? The the blow up one is that your first surfboard, or is that the one you you're using at the moment? <laughs> right.
1: Uh, That's one I picked up at Target the other week for my girlfriend.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay. Nice one. Well, you've got to start somewhere. And uh, I guess that's what we're catering for as well. We're catering for beginners, intermediates, um, who may not have even had a chance to surf Mother Nature's wave before. Um, The beauty of wave parks is that they're going to give access to people that, uh, you know, I mean, wave parks are popping up in the middle of Texas for goodness' sake at the moment. So um, from, uh, and in Saudi Arabia, I think there's some that are that are planned in the Middle East. So, um, in fact, you know, this is going to give some great opportunities for people that have, have never never surfed before. There is a um, a massive surf culture that is really building globally around the world, and um, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's really exciting. So, you moved to, you moved to Florida, but that wasn't a surfing decision. That was a work decision. Uh, it, like a
1: mix, just, you know, I've always gravitated towards the ocean. So from Maryland after uh, college, moved to California for a bit and then moved to Florida where my whole family migrated after, you know, graduating and retirement. So we're all together down here and luckily close to the beach.
0: And you've been living in the, uh, just recently, you've been living in the shark capital of the world, New Smyrna in Florida. Right. Is that right? It is yep.
1: indeed. Yep. Another benefit to a wave pool is to mitigate the risk of being bitten on the ankle, <laughs> which happens <laughs> actually more more often than than people might realize down is in New Zealand. Right? So, oh
0: yeah, my God. I, see, so, I, I mean,
1: they're they're little two, three, four foot sharks, but um, you know, just a little quick visit to the hospital for stitches, <laughs> and then you're back in the water.
0: And an impressive story <laughs> to say that you've been bitten by a shark, right? <laughs> um. So so tell me. When was the when was the first time you ever set foot in a surf park?
1: So I mean, I was uh, obsessing about it, and that's part of the the reality when you're an inland surfer, and that's how I uh, categorized myself when I was, you know, the first twenty plus years of my life were in Baltimore. So I just would obsess over surfing until I could get back to the ocean. And when I saw magazine coverage, you know, old print, I can't believe I'm saying old, but old school surfer surfing magazines and even trans world which are no longer around um just seeing photos of the pros who got the access to typhoon lagoon which is a water park by day and then yep. us uh, you know uh, what we would now call a surf park in the mornings and evenings before public hours so they would do these events they'd put the lights up and yeah, this perfect crystal clear blue wave which you know looking back in hindsight is not like the nicest wave compared to the technology we see now. But just seeing that and you know, obsessing over getting, getting down or dreaming like one day I'll be able to paddle out in this, this wave pool with just a couple of friends with your playlist over, over to loudspeakers and you just get perfect split peaks, rights and lefts all to yourself, oh, yeah, um, wow. you know, obsessing, obsessing. And then finally uh, a group, put, you know, it's, it was expensive back then. And I would even say it's expensive. Uh, in today's standards but someone invited me to be part of the group and i got you know 2009 said yeah, yeah absolutely please let me come and live this dream through and it, it, it lived up to the expectations and that's you know ever since just continued to, to obsess over, you know can this get better and when can i get back to the wave pool
0: <laughs> yeah and
1: progress at a faster rate than you know dealing with the ocean conditions
0: oh that's good so um the magical world of Disney kicked off your love uh, for surf parks, so um, tell me you've you've been to surf parks throughout the u s but you've also been to other countries. Do you want to just give us a, a a quick rundown of you know all the surf parks that you've been to?
1: yeah, I could do that um, so to date, twelve different wave pools, surf parks um, surf pools, whatever you want to call them twelve that's across. Uh, four or five different countries uh, and then if you want to break it out even further that's eight traditional wave pools like the soliton waves the waves you would see in the ocean but in a pool environment pushing yep. forward moving forward and then four of those 12 were stationary or standing waves like the river surfing you see in germany but in an artificial setting so uh, 12 total and just a quick wow. rundown uh yep. you know in typhoon lagoon in florida and land Surf Park in Austin, Texas, which is no longer around, uh, yep. Waco Surf, which was formerly BSR in Waco, Texas, uh, Scootin Surf, which is in, actually in, inside of a, the American Dream Mall, shopping mall in New Jersey, uh, Adventure Park Snowdonia, that's in Wales, The Wave, which is in England, uh, Surf Ranch, which I'm sure everyone has probably heard of, which is in California. Um, yeah, there's that's many Kelly's. Kelly Kelly... Yep, yep. Uh, that's like the mecca of surf parks right now, we'll say. Uh, also tried out a flow rider, which is like the sheet wave, standing wave. Uh, there's many of those out and about, but I did the one in Hollywood, Florida. Yep. Um, there's a city wave, another standing wave that's I, I tried out in Switzerland. Um, and while I was out in Switzerland, I checked off Alaya Bay, which is a traditional wave pool, a wave garden wave pool. In yeah, the I've, of I've the seen go.
0: photos of that. It looks absolutely stunning. Yeah, to be catching Post a wave guard. in the middle of, middle of the mountains, catching a wave.
1: Yep, in the Swiss Alps. Yeah. <laughs> it's surrounded yeah. by the Swiss Alps. It's, it's nice. Yeah.
0: yeah, right.
1: Um, and then when I, you know, then the last two of those twelve are, I, I was invited to try out Epic Surf, which is stationary standing wave technology up in new york again really far from the, the nearest surfable ocean wave um and most recently uh, i jetted up to montreal quebec and canada and tried out an indoor stationary wave uh called oasis surf
0: yeah right yep
1: yep that's a different there's several different tech wave technologies for both stationary and uh, traditional soliton waves. So we'll touch on all of those because it's, it's a different experience and a different culture to, for each of those that you, and a different vibe. So,
0: Well, to someone that's never been to a surf park, what, what do you think are kind of the, the highlight reasons, you know, why you'd either begin to surf in a surf park or, or if you've never surfed, uh, surfed in one before, why, why would you go and, and spend your hard-earned money to, to do it?
1: Yeah, it's, it's funny you ask that, because, I mean, you're, you'll have the um, purists, ocean surfers who are like, this is bull crap, like, we don't need this artificial wave, just go out in the ocean. And then for someone like me who really struggled to progress growing up in Baltimore, Maryland, it, it you know I, as soon as I got a taste of that wave pool in Orlando, Florida, Typhoon Lagoon, I was like, wait a minute, like, I'm not surrounded by a very aggressive lineup of surfers. I was able to build up confidence quickly by practicing through repetition of these these you know, perfectly predictable waves, at least in that, yeah. that that particular wave pool. So it's it's a matter of like I don't have to be self conscious when I'm out there. I don't have to fight for waves. I know I'm going to guaranteed a certain amount of attempts. I'm saying attempts because it's not it's not that easy. Always you got to make sure you catch the wave, and then you can practice whatever trick you're focusing on. Um, and it, it's just, it really is a different culture, especially as these, these surf parks and wave pools pop up, um, everyone's supportive for the most part. And you get hoot and holler and you get the more experienced riders that are in your session, giving you tips, you know, how to improve your turn and even down to like paddling and being more efficient. So, uh, it, it's a really welcoming culture and, and there's a little, you know, obviously there's a little abrasion with old school surfers versus this new space within the- yep. The sport, but it's it's evolving in the right direction. I'm really excited to see how it continues. So, so
0: the, the wave manufacturers at the moment are obviously you know the the there's the propaganda from each one in terms of why they've got the best wave pool, why they've got the best wave, and those types of things. What what do you think? I mean, obviously the ultimate for most surfers is is getting barreled, right? Um, and so not every wave produces a barrel. Uh, what what kind of, um, you know, elements do you think are going to make a wave park succeed? Apart yeah. not just from the wave itself, but also all the surroundings.
1: A very fair question. And that's also what I take into account when I visit each of these, because I go really far out of the way. I mean, you know, planes, trains and automobiles to get to some of these wave pools buried out in a different country (laughs) just to try it. And then when I leave, you know, I do have an impression and that impression is formed and shaped by uh, several different factors. Uh, You mentioned the most obvious is the wave quality. Not every one of these surf parks has the state of the art technology or the latest, which is an issue we'll, we can dive into in a later episode, but beyond the wave, you have the second most obvious is the price. How much does this cost? You know, how much, Am I willing to invest to surf an artificial wave? And is it going to be something I walk away with as a memory and a fond memory at that and not a frustrating one? Because, um, I mean, we're talking, there's a huge variance in the cost of surfing these wave pools from, you know, just, you know, a, an hour's pay all the way up to what I would say is like a price of a used car to surf the surf ranch. <laughs> so that's an obvious, a second obvious one. And then yeah. customer service has really left an impression on me because I had, really great experiences leading up to during my surf sessions. And then even after I left following up with some of these surf parks, and then some have been a bit of the opposite. So, you know, there's wave, there's surf parks that I won't, I probably never visit again because how I was treated. Um, so after the, the customer service, we all like to eat and drink. So, you know, food and beverage, some of these, these are new, these are new attractions. Not all of them are equipped with, great restaurants and a variety of food on site. So I had to drive 20, 30 minutes in between sessions to go pick up lunch for some of these. Um, so that's that's like a huge factor. If I can yeah, relax, exactly. I not have to worry about running out, getting food, then coming back in time and digesting, Yeah, uh, yeah. food and beverage, and then-, and you then- got,
0: <laughs> You've got the rentals and and uh, all those elements as well, because I guess you know it's easy for you to take your board, Uh, around the US but some some of those sort of far-flung places around the world it's not as easy to take all your kit I mean you can but you know likely get damaged and all that kind of stuff so that that I guess plays an important part
1: absolutely yeah I I don't feel like lugging a surfboard around Switzerland (laughs) for two weeks just to accommodate my you know the five sessions I booked during a two-week period it's not fun so yeah, rental equipment is huge for, I think any inland surfer, especially since a lot of the, the, surf parks are spread out for now. There's not as many that came to life. So it's just nice to have that quiver on site This the you know quiver, meaning that the array of boards you can try and rent lease out, same with the wetsuit. I don't want to lug a, a, you know, a wet suit around for two weeks on public transportation, <laughs> I just want yeah, to yeah. be able to, you know, I want to just to have an efficient, Experience. Um, lastly, I was gonna mention the you know, you got surfing, you have everything that surrounds surfing and that experience. Like, what else can you do on site? Again, you're in these pretty oddball places in most cases with these wave pools. Like, all right, I'm when am I just gonna sit around for several hours and wait for my next session? Um, I'd like to take into consideration the other ancillary activities. Uh some of these surf parks I visited have a zip line going over the wave pool. I'm like you know check I'm doing that for sure rock climbing walls um a lot of skateboarding and action sports uh offerings that you can go to partake in like the pump track or um i mean they're they're getting pretty creative with these uh these these offerings now half pipes and just even mm-hmm. nature walks so different things you can do to to enjoy your time while you're on site yeah it's quite crucial
0: and so so as part of that Mike what we're gonna do is we're gonna well, you're going to come up with a, a froth and tomatoes score. So after every every episode, um, we're gonna we're gonna really um, go deep on on one wave park. But at the end, you know, with the, the accumulation of all those things you just discussed, you know, out of ten, uh, we're going to give a score uh, a froth and tomatoes tomatoes uh, score. So that you can sort of understand that if you're a beginner or an intermediate, what you're going to expect and you know, bear in mind this is one man's journey. Things have changed over over years. People are upping their game because they're realizing competition's coming into the market. But it's a, it's a really good starting point to to understand someone that really really does froth more than anyone I know yeah, right? <laughs> about uh, inland surfing. So, Mike, look, I can't wait to get into the first episode with you and uh, and learn what the froth you know about all these surf parks, so excited um to to, to talk more about inland surf and understand it myself with a view to actually packing up the car or packing up a plane and getting onto uh, a wave an artificial wave myself
1: yeah i'm 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 really excited to discuss just I'm always you're know, nerding out on all things wave pools, but I also see this as an opportunity for the you know there's a lot of media out there a lot of coverage news coverage on the what's like the very top cream of the crop exposure for these wave pools so i were talking celebrity visits exclusive sessions for pro surfers and it can create kind of a intimidating environment around or intimidating view or perspective of these wave pools and then you have someone like me or you like well I, I don't know if i'm good enough to go visit these or if i'm going to you know how much is it going to cost? Like I know these professionals get to practice their backflips over and over in a wave pool. They're like, I'm going to have to go pay out of my own pocket here, and am I, is it going to be worth it? So I'm excited to share that perspective because I, you know, I'm 100 percent self-funded here, and these adventures <laughs> going around, you know, from travel to food to the sessions to the rental equipment. So I, I take it to heart, having an unbiased, unpolished, candid approach to. How we look at these wave pools um yeah because most people are going to be the paying customer and i, I don't want to go you know saying yeah every single surf park's great there's definitely the opportunities to for improvement um and then some i'd love to showcase how they nail the experience because i have really fond memories of some of these and i'm like yeah i'm going to go back like just simply because how they treated me and i felt like i got my money's worth so here for it ready to talk about all these parks
0: all right well good on you mike well what we'll do is we'll wrap it up here but look forward to talking to you on the next episode so Can't wait. we'll be doing we'll be doing a, a deep dive on typhoon lagoon and uh that'll be the first one that kicked off uh, your career as it were <laughs> yeah, right. as an inland surfer all right we'll speak soon good on you mike
1: all right catch you soon cheers buddy and be sure to connect with us on the what the froth youtube Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn pages. We'd love to hear about your own surf, park, and wave pool experiences.